Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our Sunday time together called the Digital Cathedral. If this is your first time with us, I want to give you a special welcome and say God bless you for being with us today and hope that you find what we talk about and what we discuss and the comments that are made uh, helpful to you in your spiritual development and growth. Let me just make a personal confession this morning. I have had a hard time determining what to teach every Sunday morning because, to be honest with you, I have about 20 things that I have lined up in my thinking that I want to bring to the table. I don't have enough Sundays. I don't have enough Wednesdays of, of the week to be able to uh, fulfill everything that I feel we really need to teach right now. So I'm thinking about, and I, I would like some feedback on this, I'm thinking about kind of putting together a one-man seminar, one-man conference that would be totally live-streamed, that I could just for several hours, like, uh, just hit it. You know, and just get out there everything that I feel God is doing today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slow the pace down just for two weeks. One of the things I feel that I'm definitely called to do is to keep you encouraged, keep you centered, keep you Christocentric, Christo keep your eye on the ball, and make sure that, uh, you know, we're drawing people to Jesus. We're not drawing people to some kind of theory or intellectual exercise. We're actually drawing people to Jesus in a life that is transformational as revelation continues to pour in. And my goodness, how much revelation is being dispensed today in so many, from so many different sources. Radical grace, hyper grace has totally kryptonited religion. It has taken religion to the mat, <laughs> it has pinned it, and it has shown uh, that legalism it, it doesn't cut it anymore. It's been exposed and we have revealed the impotence of organized religion. And I don't know what organized religion is gonna do, to be honest with you. Fewer and fewer people are, are involved in organized religion. I just read this week that only about 60% of the people have returned back to church after the pandemic. And I think one of the reasons for that is because people have found uh, that their relationship with God is not based on a building. It's based on fellowship, it's based on relationship. And let's be honest with one another. A lot of the relationship and fellowship in a church is not genuine. It's not real. It's based on light beliefs. And if you don't believe that, just try adjusting your theology a little bit to what the norm is for that particular church or denomination. And you'll find out real quick where the fellowship is and where the camaraderie and the brotherhood is. So what I want to do for two weeks, <clears throat> I want to come back to kind of 101, first base. I want to talk to you about why it is that you should want to live this message out. Why it's important that you live it out. Why it's important that we demonstrate it. <coughs> Excuse me. And let me just say, by living it out, you're actually teaching it. You're actually teaching this message by your lifestyle, which is the very best way to teach. Somebody said, you know, we, we, should, uh, we should teach and when necessary, use words. And that's, that's so true. The best way to teach is by the way that you live. So I want to talk to you, and what I want to do between this week and next week, I want to give you eight solid reasons, eight solid reasons why it's important that you live this message and teach this message through your life. So I'll probably use the word teach and live um, back and forth, but I, they mean the same thing. And I want you to understand that we're talking about um, demonstrating this message before our culture and our world. We're seeing tremendous change today, tremendous change, and it's only gonna accelerate. So I wanna make sure that you fully understand and you have fixed within yourself why it's important that you uh, live this message, and by living it, you're an example and you teach to others. The best way Jesus taught was by example. Most of the things that Jesus taught verbally, I think went right over the heads of the disciples, but when he demonstrated, they tended to catch it. He taught in parables to bring it down to where they could understand it. So it's highly important that we live this message and understand that as we live it, we really are teaching it. Now, radical hyper grace has led us to probably six foundations. I wanna share three foundations this morning that grace has opened the door to. Then I wanna share with you four reasons this morning, why it is it's important that we live this message out, why we teach it with our lifestyle. Radical pure hyper grace has opened the door uh, and it flies in the face of what I learned for years, what I taught for years. It just flies in the face of it. And one of the foundations that I think is vitally important that we understand that has been established in our lives, first of all, this is a foundational principle of radical pure hyper grace, 
And we have to be convinced of these six that I'm going to share, the foundations. These are apart from the eight reasons why we live it and demonstrate it. But we need to be firmly uh, fixed on the foundation of the fatherhood of God of all people. He is the father of all. That verse from Ephesians 4, verse 6, nails it down so tight when it says that there is one God and Father of all who is through all, above all, and in all. Now think about that. He's not, you're not just a creation. The people you deal with, the people you're living this message out in front of, they're not just a creation of God. It's true they are, but they are also sons and daughters. One God who is above all, through all, and in all. That's Ephesians 4, 6. Now, most of us were taught that we were only brought into the family when we prayed the magic prayer, when we lived a life of obedience, when we lived a life of consecration. Well, that's a word I haven't used in a long time. When we lived a life of being a fully devoted follower of Jesus. But even Paul demonstrated in Acts chapter 17, verses 28 and 29, that, that God is the father of even the idol worshipers that Paul was addressing on Mars Hill. He explained very carefully. I'm not going to take time to read those scriptures. I've got so much ground to cover this morning. But if you want to see Paul's exposure of the fatherhood of God to even idol worshipers, those that were not believers, they were a long way from being you know, evangelical or Pentecost or charismatic believers that prayed the magic prayer. They were people that were worshiping an idol. And Paul wanted them to know, he really nailed it down, that we are all children of God. We're all sons. We're all daughters. So contrary to religion, that is the gospel. That is some of the, the very best news that I think we can ever uh, give to anybody. The second foundation is that radical grace has taken us to is unconditional love. Religion teaches, I taught unconditional love for years, but you know what I did? I put conditions on the unconditional love. I said, God loves you uh, unconditionally if you're obedient. God loves you unconditionally if you love him. The gospel the gospel is unconditional love with no conditions. Paul said it like this. Paul said nothing can separate us. In that eighth chapter of Romans, he said nothing can separate us from the love of the Father. And John said that we love him because he first loved us. So any love that we have toward the Father is a result of first him initiating the love. That's totally different than what we learned in church. In church, we learned that God responds to our love. That's wrong. That's backwards. We respond to his love. He loved us first. He chose us before we ever chose him. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Before there was ever a problem, there was a solution. You've always been in him. He's always loved you unconditionally. So assurance of love without uh, hoop jumping, without uh, meeting a, a certain criteria, sets people absolutely free. And I, I, what I have found since 2003 is when, when the unconditional love really dawns on people, then their love for the Father grows exponentially. And I think it's because of what John said. When we realize how much he's loved us, then we, we respond to that love. We, we're, we were made to be responders to the Father, not initiators. We don't have to initiate anything. We respond to everything that he has already accomplished, that he's put within us, that he has fulfilled on our behalf. Third foundation, hyper grace, radical grace, pure grace takes us to is the idea of inclusion. Inclusion is the operative word of the new covenant. It's the operative word of the gospel. Religion thrives on exclusion. Religion thrives, and most of your friends that are in church today have a them and us mentality. Some are in, some are out, some have it, some don't have it. Uh, and based on their performance, the prayer they've prayed, the belief, the faith, the obedience, all that stuff determines whether they are included or not included. That's not what the gospel says. The gospel, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 22 says that as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So we can't attribute to the first Adam more power than the last Adam. Okay, and we also read in Ephesians 1.4, and I quoted a little bit earlier, that he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now, there's a verse in 2 Timothy chapter 4 that is a little less uh, quoted, but is, is equally as powerful. And I want to give you this. I hope by going through this over the next, this week and next week, that I'm going to give you some tools to work with in, in working with people. As you demonstrate this message, people are going to ask questions. No question. There's no doubt about that. They're going to ask questions. So I'm trying to give you a foundation to help you have 
confidence and assurance of why you live this message out, why I'm convinced I need to live this message out, why I teach at the Digital Cathedral, why I do the uh, Wednesday Night Secret Place. It's because this message is covering the face of the earth at a phenomenal rate, and you and I are the carriers of the message. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let me just get over real quick, because these verses, uh, I think, really lay the inclusion down well. They're not as quoted as often as others, but First Second uh, Timothy chapter four, verse nine, and uh, verse Second Timothy chapter four and verse nine. That's 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 not right. That must be First First Timothy chapter four. Let me just hop over there real quick. I think I might have copied the wrong scripture down. Yes. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Listen, for to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the savior of all men, especially those that believe, not exclusively. Believing has a real advantage. Don't ever discount believing, which is a response to revelation, but he's the savior of all men. Now, if you believe, then your eyes are opened, you're awakened, you're quickened, and it's to a great advantage. But I just wanted you to see there from 1 Timothy, that's 1 Timothy, not 2, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, that he, in fact, is the savior of all men. You know, when I look at this message, I have to be honest with you, one of the, one of the highs, one of the real highs of the most high is to see somebody's eyes open up to this. And maybe that's why I'm taking a couple of weeks to do this. I want you to enjoy. I want you to see the light bulb come on in people. There's, there's nothing like it. When people awaken to the truth, it makes all the effort, all the sacrifice um, worth it all. Paul must have enjoyed that. He must have enjoyed turning the light on way more than he felt the rejection, the pushback, the denial of people that tried to kill him, beat him to death. I mean, a man suffered some real stuff, but he must have enjoyed watching the Gentiles be awakened. There were two groups that gave Paul kind of trouble, two groups that give us the most trouble today in pushback in this message. In Paul's day, he called them the Jews. That was the hardline religious. We call, I would call those the typical denominational people today. Typical denominational, Episcopalians, Presbyterians, Baptists. They have a set theology. They're not coming off of it. It's been established a long time. They're not, they're not gonna change. That was one group. The other group, of course, was the Judaizers, which were Jews that, that acknowledged Jesus, received, believed in Jesus, but they still carried a little bit of the old law. They said, you have to be circumcised. That's the tough group to work with. That's the Joseph Princes, the Andrew Womacks. Um, they've got grace, but they're, they're still that tinge, and they're not willing to go for unconditional love without conditions. They're not willing to go for inclusion. There still has to be uh, something you do. They're, they're still hung up on tithing, all those kind of things. So there's a, a mixture message there. In that sense, such a double-minded message to people that it's, it's just great to be free. The difference today than in Paul's day is that the mixture message has controlled the church for generations, and it's been considered orthodox. So when we come along and we're teaching Paul's message of grace plus nothing, it's looked upon as heresy. Another gospel presenting another Jesus is changing fast, and that's what the evangelical taught, has taught for generations. Now, I'll tell you this, it's not changing in churches. As I say, the Presbyterian Church, the Catholic Church, the Baptist Church, I doubt if they're going to change. Southern Baptists are not going to embrace what we teach. They're not going to embrace what you're living. It's not changing on that level. It's changing on a grassroots level. It's changing person to person. So it's vital, it's vital that you and I really become soundly uh, established in, in why we're doing this. With all of the flex, let me ask you this. We've all gotten flack. I've gotten flack. You've gotten, most likely you've gotten flack from, from believing this. You've posted on Facebook. You've explained it to friends. They just have totally rejected it. With all the pushback, the flack, why do we continue to live this? Why teach it? I mean, it's, it is an uphill battle. Paul to the Gentiles, to all that will listen today, I think Paul nailed it down 
in Ephesians chapter 3. Let me take just time. I, I've got so much to do this morning to get to you, but I, I, I don't want to rush so fast that I don't lay good foundation. Ephesians chapter 3. Let me, let me read just a couple little verses here. Ephesians chapter 3. I think Paul really nails it down here. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1. He said, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. So this message of grace has been given to us for other people. It's not just for you now. You've embraced it. You've got a hold of it. But I'm telling you something this morning. Look me right in the eye. I'm telling you something this morning. It's not just for you. It's for other people as well. He goes on and says in verse 7, he said, I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. It is a powerful working force within us. Then he says in verse 8, to me, whom least of all the saints, this grace was given. Why? That I might preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's why it's been deposited within us, that we can spread it and uncover these unsearchable riches that are in Christ that most people have never encountered, never heard before, never embraced because nobody was explaining. Then he says in verse 16, let me read down through verse 19. He said, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through the spirit in the inner man. He's praying for them that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you would be rooted and grounded in love and be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes understanding and knowledge and that you would be filled, oh, this is mind-blowing, that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. See, you are filled with the fullness of God. You know that. I will, I will, I will guarantee you the people you come in contact with have no clue that they're filled with the fullness of God. They think maybe they got a little dabble, do you? got a little bit, and they're striving to get more. That's the whole thing. We want to be one, one more of God. We're, we're begging and pleading that God would come and fill us to the, to the full. He's already filled you to the fullness. And verse 19 says, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the knowledge of God, with the fullness of God. That's, that's mind-blowing. That's a powerful force. So let me just give you some reasons this morning why it is that you and I live this message, and through our living it, we teach it. I'm just coming back to some basic principles here, but I, I want it firmly fixed in your mind that what you're doing is worth the effort. It's worthwhile. All right, reason number one. Reason number one is this. God has assigned and he has appointed you the task of living this message. I don't know why God's chosen us. I sometimes ask God that. I say, God, you know, I wasn't looking for this in 2003. I was happy pastoring. Had a, had a staff, had a, you know, everything was going fine. The church was filled. We had, you know, multiple services, had school daycare. Everything was clicking. You, should, you gave me this revelation and it turned everything quickly. Turned everything quickly. Why he chose us, I cannot answer that. But all I know, I, mean, I think it has a lot to do with some of our personalities. We do have thick skin. We're strong-willed. Those are good traits. When they're spirit-directed, nothing wrong with strong will. When it's spirit-directed, which is one reason why I think, honestly, he probably chose us. We got a strong will, thick skin. We're able to hang in there. We're able to push forward. Those are all characteristics of reformers. Every reformer from Calvin to Wesley to Paul, Jesus, they were all able to deal with the rejection, the rejection, the pushback. Paul said this, Acts chapter 20. Paul addresses this very, very thing in Acts chapter 20. Watch, verse 24, Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Paul said, none of these things move me. None of these things move me, nor do I count it my life dear to myself. I don't count, it you know, doesn't really much matter. So that I may finish my race with joy, watch, and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He has given you this message so that you can share it with other people. What is the grace message? Really, what is it? Let me just say it to you like this. Grace is everything that God has done for us. He fully accomplished through Christ by extending his unconditional love and unmerited kindness to us to bring us into a loving relationship with himself, leaving you and I nothing to do 
but to say thank you. So it's everything that he's done for us in Christ to bring us into relationship with himself. He's always been in relationship with us, but he's brought us into relationship with him through his loving kindness, through his mercy. He's finished it all. And the only thing that you and I can now say is thank you. That's all we can say. So he has given to you this message. For some reason, God selected us to carry this message, to live it. And it's called the, the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, what is it? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 says that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And then he finishes the verse by saying this, and he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You have a ministry of reconciliation. We have a ministry to tell people God's not mad at you. He's not angry. He's in full relationship with you. And there's some things that comprise this ministry of reconciliation that I want you to, to be fully aware of, that when you carry to people, let me just list a couple things. Ministry of reconciliation that you have. Remember, we got this message, number one. He's assigned it to us. He's given it to us. He's revealed it to us. He's given us this ministry of reconciliation, which is comprised of some key components. First key component of the ministry of reconciliation, which you have, is to let people know they're forgiven of all their sins. Past, present, and future. Sin's a moot point. Moot point. <clears throat> what it says in, in uh, Hebrews that he remembers our sins and our transgressions no more. Sin is a big thing in the church. Sin, sin consciousness is a huge thing because it keeps, uh, it keeps people coming and it keeps them paying. That's just the honest truth. They want to learn to come so that they are free from sin. They've already been free from sin. Evangelical church needs to repent. They need to change their mind on this sin issue. They insist that you ask forgiveness. They insist that you that repentance means bawling and squalling and telling God how sorry you are. That's not what repentance is. You know well what it is. It, when the light bulb comes on, you change your mind. So one week they teach 1 John 1, 9 out of context, totally out of context, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and they teach that he doesn't forgive until you confess them. Then the next week they come over at Hebrews 8, 12 and say that God remembers our sins and our trespasses no more. Is it any wonder people are double-minded and confused in church and why they don't know what they believe and why there's no confidence, there's no security, there's no trust in a God that says you have to forgive them and yet I remember them no more? I mean, which one is it? Which one is it? That's, that's a mixed message. And you'll hear that from some people, from some guys, well-known, have the big ministries that profess to be grace teachers, and they're, and they're talking out of both sides of their mouth with 1 John 1, 9 and Hebrews 8, 12. Taking 1 John 1, 9 totally, totally wrong. Not considering audience, not understanding that what confess means, homologio means to say the same thing about sin that God says. And what God says is Hebrews 8, 12, that he remembers it no more. And that's what we need to confess. And when you, when you agree with God, I'm getting off on a tangent. When you agree with God about your sin, then sin consciousness goes and righteous consciousness prevails. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what agreeing with God about sin does. That's what 1 John 1, 9 is all about. Homology, it's coming into agreement with God of what he says about our sins. All right, second thing is this. <clears throat> People need to know that they're free from all law. No laws. I'm sorry, there's no laws, especially, especially the laws that are made by churches, man-made laws. Those are the ones that really hang us up and, and, and condemn us, make us feel guilty. We put all kind of, strap all kind of laws on people. So when you carry the ministry of reconciliation, you live this message out, you need to let people know, and you need to live a life of grace, not of law. No mixture in this. Third of all, they need to know that they can call God Father because we're all sons, we're all daughters, and I covered that a little earlier in the universal fatherhood of God. This is a big one. They need to know that no longer do they have to fear God. Do they have to fear eternal conscious torment? That is the biggest lie that has come down the pike. It is an illusion. I wrote a book on that. If you haven't read it, go to Amazon. Hell's Illusion is the title of the book. I need say no more because that book lays it out, including every verse where the word hell is used. Evangelical church ain't going to let go of hell because that's, that's the main tool for conversions. That's the main tool to make converts. Fear. Fear, insecurity, not trusting a God that might throw you in a fire pit. But you need to let people know. And you know, if they don't receive it, that's fine. But the seed has been planted. Last thing this ministry of reconciliation includes, I would say, would be this. 
that people can know with assurance that as we said, they are forgiven, accepted, and they're loved beyond their wildest dreams. That's the message you carry. That's the message of reconciliation. God's chosen you. First point this morning. God has chosen you for whatever reason to live this because he's revealed it to you. You're on the front edge of this. It's still, it's still breaking across the nations. People are coming in every day, awakening. But it's going to take some of you seasoned people that have been in this a little bit of time to be able to answer questions, explain what it means, and help people get to the next place. All right, second reason we live this message out, second reason I teach it, others teach it, is because it's the truth of the gospel. It flat out is the gospel. Apart from grace, there is no gospel. Apart from grace, you got the wrong Jesus. Paul knew that there were other Jesuses floating around when he was teaching. He, he talked about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse three and four. He talked about another gospel and another Jesus. What is another gospel? What is another Jesus? Let, let, let me see if I can just hit for you real quick what another Jesus is. Another Jesus is earmarked because he did not finish what he came to do. He did not accomplish the mission that the Father sent him on. The Father sent Jesus by Jesus' own confession to seek and to save that which was lost. Only question we have to answer is, was he successful? Another Jesus was not successful. Another Jesus might seek the lost, but he didn't have the power to save the lost. That's another gospel. That's another Jesus. Another Jesus did not say, it is finished. Another Jesus says, I did my part, now you need to do your part. I did my part, you need to do your part. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, my meat, my food, is to do the will of the Father that sent me and to finish his work. That's John 4, 34. I, my, the, my meat, the thing that, that sustains me, that drives me, that nourishes me, is to do the work of the Father, not just to do it, finish it, to finish it. So according to Jesus, he finished it. He was successful. Another gospel is any gospel that you must do, that you must try to be, that you have to strive to become to affect its benefit. Whatever the benefits you believe the gospel are, if you have to do something, pray something, believe something, affect something in your life, become something to get the benefit, that's another gospel. That's not what Paul teach, taught. In Galatians 3, Paul said, you crazy Galatians, who's bewitched you? He said, I wanna ask you guys one question. Did you receive Jesus by the hearing of faith or by the works of the law? He said, having begun in the spirit, are you now going to be perfected by the works of the flesh? Paul was addressing them because they had been uh, infiltrated after Paul left Galatia by the Judaizers who said, yeah, Jesus is a good thing. We, we like Jesus, but you must be circumcised to be saved. So there's all kinds of hoops today. You got to pray the prayer. You got to be baptized. You got to speak in tongues. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that is attached to what it means to be made whole, which is what saved is. Saved is the word sozo. It means to be made whole, to be made upright, to be made perfect. It's not a ticket to heaven. There's, there's no verse that I know, and you can correct me, there's no verse I know in the New Testament post-resurrection that ties the word saved and heaven together in the same verse. Religion has done that. It's another gospel. The right Jesus and the right gospel is, is the one that Paul got persecuted for. It's the one he got stoned, beaten with rods. It teaches a right standing with God apart from works, apart from effort, apart from religious nonsense. It allows you to rest. The right gospel, the right Jesus, allows you to feel totally secure in what the cross fully accomplished and what the resurrection has provided for us. And the only way that you can fall out of grace, listen to me, sin, you don't fall out of grace when you sin. Where sin abounded, grace super exceeded. You don't fall out of grace when you sin. Paul told the Galatians that the way you fall from grace is to go back under the law. It's impossible to experience grace when you're living under law. It's impossible to experience grace when you've got all, all of the, 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 the trappings of law strapped to you by, by your church or by your pastor. God bless them. God bless them. They, they're, most of them are just doing what they've been taught what they learned over to Preacher Factory. Went through there in several years, spent a lot of money, thousands of dollars, and, and are now out instructing people to do what they learned to do in school. And maybe what they were raised also to do. That was my case. 
raced and educated and just parented it back. Who was I going to challenge those gray-haired PhDs back in the day? I wasn't going to challenge. I didn't even know what questions to ask. But Spirit of Truth is changing all that. All right, number three. Here's the third reason that you and I want to live this message and buy our life. Teach it. Demonstrate it. Let me just say this. This is not an effort. This is just being you. This is just being you. But I want you to have that inner resolve, that inner confidence that says, okay, this is the reason we're doing this. This is why we're part of it. This is why we're extending this message. This is why we live this message. First of all, it's because we're picked to do it. You can't get around that. You, you're one of the first people on the planet that got this. Now, there's tons of others, thousands upon thousands of others that have gotten it since probably you saw it. If you've, if you've been in this message three, four, or five years, I'll tell you what, you were, on the, you were in the beginning of it. When I started te teaching this back in 2003, I did not know anybody. Honestly, I did not know anybody that was taking this journey that I was taking. <clears throat> Finally, Steve McVeigh was probably the first grace friend that I had. And I met Steve through social media. We became good friends, still great friends today. He's a, he's a super guy. And he used to really uh, nurture me a little bit and encourage me as a pastor to stay with it. Turn the ship. <clears throat> Looking back, if I had anything to do again, I would turn it a lot slower. So if you're a pastor watching me, don't you don't turn the ship on a dime. You take a long turn on this. But I want you to be confident in what you're doing and why you're doing it. All right, number three. Number three. <clears throat> we live this message and teach this message so that grace might remain with the hearer. Hear the trash guy? Trash day here. Number three, that it might remain with you here. People need to hear this over and <clears throat> over and over and over because faith really does come by hearing. The more you hear it, the more you get settled with it, the more you become fixed on it, the stronger it becomes. When I first started teaching this message, honestly, I had a hard time explaining it. I knew it in here, but I couldn't explain it. And the more that I would spend time with it, the more comfortable it became until finally there was a day I kind of stepped over the line. I could articulate, I could teach it. I was teaching it at church before I really had it. That was a mistake. Because people would ask me a question. I couldn't answer it. I didn't have the background. I didn't have, I didn't have the depth. <clears throat> and so what I'm, I'm doing this week and next week, I'm giving you some depth on this. I'm helping you to, to grab hold of why we're doing this. Just understand, people need to continue to hear it. Now there's two ways that I've observed that grace no longer remains or has the impact that it did for Paul all of his life. Paul never outgrew grace. Paul never gave up on the message. And Paul had tons of revelations. It was Paul that brought to us the revelation of Christ in us. It was Paul that talked about the mysteries hidden from generations, but now becoming evident. So he, Paul went into some deep stuff. Paul went into some, you know, some very deep revelations, but he never left the foundation of grace. He was always a grace guy. He was always a grace man. Grace was always at the forefront of everything that Paul was teaching. So that, that's kind of the way I am. I love exploring. You know, we're, we're going through a lot of teaching on I am right now. We're learning how to be a creator, and grace has taken us there. I'm fully convinced that you can create the life you want to live, that you are endowed as an I am, as an extension of I am that I am, in his image and likeness, that he has, he has placed within your hands all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, now it's, it's up to you to begin to create and learn how to do that. So we're doing that. I love all those things. But I will never back up on the message of grace. That's the, that's, that is the baseline of it all. But I've noticed two things. Where grace stops having impact. And I don't want this to happen to you or the people that you work with. Number one, Grace is replaced or it's crowded out by something else, by something else. In, in Galatians chapter one, <clears throat> this happened, and this happened to Paul time and time again. He would, he would uh, come into town, get everybody stirred up, get everybody excited, get everybody free out of the law. Then the Judaizers would come in behind him and replace or crowd the message out. They would they would tell people, yeah, Paul, Paul's all right, but he doesn't have the whole truth. He's he's bringing you, you know, this is this is not right. In Galatians chapter one, verse six and seven, Paul said, "I marvel that you are turning away so soon from Him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel." 
So they brought, <clears throat> they were brought in in grace, but they turned to another gospel. And that's what happened. Paul said, look, man, something's crowded the grace out of your life. You're, you're, you're coming under the constraints of another gospel. Verse seven, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel, the good news, the grace message. So here's what happens today. Here's one thing I've observed. People come in, they, they hear them and they love it, but they go back and say to their friends, this is what I found, man, this is amazing. I love this message. And people go, man, you don't, you want to stay away from that. That is, that's air. That's gotten out there where the buffalo roam and the deer and the antelope play. You don't want any part of that. That's heresy. That's heresy. Church doesn't believe that. Church doesn't believe that. You need to, you need to rethink that. So they create, people create enough doubt in someone when they first come into this message, enough doubt and unbelief about the truth of grace that they begin to question themselves and they begin to go back to Egypt. And that's just what it boils down to. They go back to Egypt. And maybe one of the motivations of me doing this week and next week is, is for this third point, that you, first of all, you don't let anybody crowd this message out of you. See, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Those that get the message crowded out, like, like Paul addressed in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, those that get the message crowded out, they're never going to be happy because you can't unsee what you've seen. But they bend, they think something must be wrong with me. I thought that. When I first started teaching it and, and you know, pastors on staff would come to me all concerned and, and try to talk me out of it, I, I would think many times, man, maybe there's something wrong with me. I mean, everybody else says it's like this and I'm over here saying it's like that. And sometimes I would take one step forward in boldness and I, then I would meet opposition. I'd take two steps back and I'd pull back. Say, I better, I better be a little bit more safe about this. I've learned, man, you can't be too reckless with grace. You cannot take grace too far. You cannot stretch it beyond its limits. It's impossible. But some people, when they first come in not well-grounded, they haven't been in the digital cathedral, or maybe they just come in and they've heard the message, they love it, go back, talk to their friends, talk to their pastor, talk to their elders, and they, and they discourage them from the message, and so they give it up. It's tough. I, I'm going to admit to you, it's tough. When all of your church friends question you, and, and you bail, it's easy to fear. It's easy to doubt. It's easy to question yourself. It, it, it knocks the luster off your joy when you're not deep into this. It knocks the luster off your joy. And, it, 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 and you just go back to the way it was and you sink back into the box that contains you. And that's just the wrong thing to do. So to avoid this, we need to keep teaching it, need to keep implementing it. That's why if you're with me at the Digital Cathedral and you've been here a length of time, you know that I do the like stop the bus messages or I do like what I'm doing this week and next week. I just come back and, and say, look, let's 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 go back over this. Let's get some more understanding about this. Let's let it really take root because I've had people that have been talked out of it. Or the second thing, the second thing I've noticed is this. People think they outgrow it. Man, I've got friends right now. <clears throat> that say, yeah, I got the grace thing down. Now I've moved off into other things. It's fine to move off into other things, but you can't let go of the grace. But they, they've totally annihilated. They've moved, they've moved beyond grace. It, 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 it doesn't captivate them anymore. See, if, if, that, if you're just after an intellectual stimulation, that, that will be the case. Grace, I'm going to tell you, grace is the highway that leads to every other city on the journey. That's why I, want, I put these foundations down at the beginning. The first three, I'll give you three more next week. Fatherhood of God, universal fatherhood of God, uh, you know, the, the inclusion, unconditional love. Grace takes you to those places. And what I don't like to see happen is to lose people that have gotten off the grace highway. They've taken an exit off, but they don't understand that the exit, that there's another entry back into the freeway. And if you want to continue to remain Christocentric, then you're going to remain grace-centered. You're going to remain Christ-centered. Jesus came full of grace and truth. You're going to remain full of grace, which is going to take you into truth. So it's, it's extremely important that we understand that one of the reasons we live this message and we teach this message is because people need to have it reiterated all the time. Grace has an eternal unveiling that is invaluable. It, it provides growth that we shouldn't ignore. 
And, and, and Paul said something about that. And, and, and I might just read that scripture in just a minute. But I, I don't know how anybody could say they've graduated from the school of grace when Paul said Ephesians 2, 7. You know, three, four years, people have think, I've got it all down. I've learned all there is to learn. I don't need to know any more about this message. No, that's wrong. Paul said in Ephesians 2, 7 that it would take the ages to come for the Father to unveil the riches of his goodness and his grace in Christ Jesus. It's going to take eternity. We, we, man, we haven't even scratched the surface. It gets gooder and gooder and gooder and gooder and gooder. Now, will it take us places? Absolutely. It takes the fatherhood of God, unconditional love, inclusion, I am that I am, the creator, all different kind of things. But the basis is the grace. What he's provided for us totally sovereignly, single-handedly, through the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus that we don't strive for. He imputes into our life, leaving us nothing to do but to say thank you and to continually awaken to all the goodness that we have. John, 1, 4, John chapter 1 and verse 14 says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. Jesus came full of grace and truth. Truth and grace are running buddies. One leads to the other. Truth always flows out of grace. If if the truth that you're pursuing has not come out of grace, I question it. I really question it. I don't think there's any truth outside the goodness of God, outside of what he's provided for us through Christ Jesus. That's that's the basis of it all. So I'm, I'm hard on that. I realize that. And I may lose some people over it that have gone off out into something else, um, we're not going off into something else that is not Christ-centered and grace and truth-based. Truth flows out of grace, and grace reveals more truth. So the deeper you go in grace, I just nailed it right there. The deeper you go in grace, the more truth you're going to see because you're uncovering Jesus. You're uncovering the Christ. You're uncovering the Christ within. See, One of the things grace will teach you, it'll give you a pop quiz. If you're, if when you think of the Father, uh, Jesus, Christ, Lord, and your thoughts immediately go outside of yourself rather than within, then you really haven't tapped into grace yet because grace flows from within. Truth flows from within. The Christ flows from within. So you're not going to outgrow this thing. You're not going to outgrow it. In that 16th verse of John chapter 1, where in verse 14, he says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. All right, full of grace and truth. And verse 16, it says, and of his fullness, we've all received. So we have received within us the fullness of his grace and truth. Do you think, I mean, come on, really, seriously, do you think you're going to outgrow that three, four, five years? I don't think so. I mean, that, that's not even reasonable. Come on, think about it. Think about it. You can't, you can't plummet the depths of the grace and the truth that were invested within Christ that now we have received the fullness of in just a short amount of time. It's grace upon grace. It's glory to glory. It's one helping after another. It's one layer at a time. It's 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 one revelation leading to the next revelation. All right, so that's three three reasons so far why we live this message. And out of living it, we're, we're, a, we're a living epistle. People can read it. People learn from us. And the fourth reason is, is really big to me. Fourth reason I live this and teach it is because grace changes people. Grace changes people. People will be changed by the example of your life. When they see your freedom and your love for the Father and that you're not a wacko of some kind, <laughs> you're solid as a rock full of grace and truth, you're just you, you don't have to put on veneers and religious airs, try to pretend you're perfect when you're not perfect. Come on, we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. We don't have to act. See, grace brings us freedom that we don't have to be perfect. And that, that opens, that enables us to grow by leaps and bounds. I have never, ever, in all my life, all my years of ministry, have seen the drastic change within the lives of people that grace brings. And brother, I've been there for all of it. I have come through all of it since, since 1969. I have seen every, every wave come in and every wave go back out. This is not a wave. This is a way. Jesus said, I am the way. This is the way. Because for the first time, for the first time in all, all the years I've ministered, he, he everything revolves out of him and it's coming from the grassroots up. It's not coming from platform superstars down. It's not coming from structure down. It's coming from 
regular old folks like you and me that have had our eyes open and we've, we've awakened and it's changed us. So while people are resistant to the change, change is still taking place like leaven in a lump. We're leavening the lump. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. And as we continue to shine, people gravitate to it. And I've seen, I've seen such tremendous changes that this message brings. It's changed me. I'm not the same guy I used to be. I look in the mirror now and I, I see change going on. I'm not trying to change. It's I used to religiously by discipline, obedience, prayer, fasting, all that stuff, revivals, deliverance, healing of memory, all that stuff, try to change. Listen, he can change you in a twinkling of an eye through grace. That divine influence that produces effortless change as you rest in him. One reason why I teach and live this message and I'm encouraging you to know to why you're doing the same, why you've been selected, why you understand what you're doing is because you're changing the lives of people. You don't have to be the pastor. You don't have to be the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. Just the disciples, the sons, the daughters manifesting are changing the whole, whole landscape of our world. We're awakening. Here's a, here's a good scripture. Here's, here's the change that happens. Uh, Romans 5, 17 says, For by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Then it says two keywords, much more, they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Christ Jesus. So as people receive the abundance of grace and this imputed gift of righteousness that has already been given to us, you can't earn it, merit it, receive it, it's, it's been deposited within us. The key is this, the last two words, last three words, they shall reign in life reign in life. That's what this message is about. This is not about the sweet by and by, walking on streets of gold, growing a pair of wings and flying around the universe. This is about living in victory now. That's why I'm, I'm loving this cre creating idea is because we want to reign in life. They which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. Grace is going to be the teacher of how to reign in life. What is it, Titus 2, 11 and 12? says that grace teaches us how to live uprightly and holy in this generation. The world we're living in can go to hell in a handbasket. It doesn't affect you and me. In fact, we will bring change into our culture at some point. Might not be in my, my lifetime, might not be in your lifetime. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, we are turning the ship. And the next generation that comes to build is not going to have to start at ground level zero like we did. Not going to have to start at the first step. We're taking this down the road away so that they can pick up on it where we leave off. So does believing, practicing, sharing grace, uh, unconditional love, the inclusion message, uh, having a great big Jesus. Jesus is just getting bigger by the day. Does, does it have a price tag? You bet it does. Bet your sweet bippy it has a big price tag. You probably uh, won't be stoned like Paul, probably won't be beaten with rods, I doubt that, or, or cat and nine tails. Uh, by the religious crowd like Paul did, but you may lose friends. People you thought were friends, people you hung with for years, went to lunch with after church on Sunday, told you what a wonderful person you were. You may lose those kind of friends because you're no longer in agreement with their religious doctrines. But I'll tell you this, this is my experience. The new people that become your friends that understand what's going on today will become more of a friend than you've ever known. And they might only be virtually. You might only know them through Facebook. I get so much encouragement over to Don Keithley Ministries page. I'm blown away by the depth of the revelation that's, that's coming off that page and people that post. If you're not a member there, you need to go over and, and become a member. It's where we do the, the secret place on Wednesday night, seven o'clock central. Um, this message changes people. The new people that come in are going to be, are going to understand you. It's going to, there's going to be a union, a spirit connection that what you had before was a theological connection. That that doesn't cut it. When push comes to shove and times get tough, it needs you need a spirit connection. You need a union with people that will be able to encourage you. So why do we why do we live this message? Why do we why, why do we uh, example it, uh, exemplify it in front of our culture, in front of our world? First of all, we're called to do it. He's he's appointed us, anointed us to carry this message. Second of all, it's the truth of the gospel. You can't get away from it. Anything else is another Jesus and another gospel. Third of all, so that it might remain with people, so that when we live it and teach it and show it, 
time after time after time after time, it will continue to be with them. And number four, because it's a, it's a life changer. It's a game changer for people. Once they open their eyes to it, I'll tell you, I, this is what cranks my engine is seeing the lives of people change. All right, let me, let me pull the, the train into the station. Let me read one last verse from Hebrews chapter 13. And this, this will end up for us. Don't, don't check out yet. Don't, don't click off. Hebrews chapter 13 and uh, verse 9. It says, don't be carried away with various and strange doctrines, right? Mixed your message. Uh, oh, and there's all kind of crap floating around out there. Don't be pulled off with it. For it is good that the heart be established by grace. I'm establishing you. My, my mission is to establish you. We, we teach other things we, besides grace, which has surprised some people, but I teach a lot of different things. But let your heart be established by grace, not with foods which have no profit, those who have been occupied with them. They don't profit. When, when you get hung up on doctrines, do's, don'ts, hoop jumping, doesn't profit anybody. Keep your heart established by grace. We're called to do it. We're appointed to do it. We're knowing to do it. It's important we do it. So let's continue. All right, we'll talk about this a little bit uh, Wednesday night. Thank you once again for being with me today. Thank you for your love, your support. Uh, those of you that support us monthly, man, you're a huge blessing. Thank you. It does, you know, you got skin in the game. That's what it says to me. When somebody is willing and the amount is, yeah, the amount is good, but it doesn't give the heart. I mean, the heart says, look, man, I'm with you in this. And so when people do that, it really encourages me and helps us do what we need to do, which is going to be a continuing message. So thank you. And thank you for the prayers, the good vibes, the positive thoughts you send. Let's continue to send them to one another. Make your posts on Don Keithley Ministries. Uh, light up the world. Invite your friends there. Don't miss The Secret Place Wednesday night at 7. Uh, that's worth just joining there, whether you ever post or not. You beat The Secret Place, 7 o'clock Central on the Don Keithley Ministry page. You have a great day, wonderful week, and we'll see you next time, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Central, at the Digital Cathedral.